So have you ever wondered why the Bible is so confusing to understand? Or why Genesis is at the beginning and Revelation is at the end? You ever been curious as to why there's a New Testament and the Old Testament? Or what does that even mean? Well, I'm sure these are all questions that some of us have all asked at some point. So that's what Bible School is all about. We're going to go through the Bible and we're going to talk about the semantics of the why, the how, and most importantly, the who. If you'll ride this out with me, we're going to go cover to cover through the Bible and dig deep and see the mysteries that God has revealed to us through this beautiful love letter that he calls his word. You've just tuned in to Bible School with Reverend Culture. Hey, good people. I'm so excited you decided to join us today. Uh, so today we're going to do something just a little different. Um, I know we're chronicling through Genesis right now, but there has been this incredible pressing on my spirit to get to Revelation, which I thought was quite ironic since Revelation is at the end of the Bible. And I told you all that we would be walking through the Bible cover to cover, but God never said how, what way we had to do it. And so I'm just going to be obedient. And we're going to dive into Revelation, and I'm going to continue to chronicle through Genesis. The, uh, the Genesis podcast will keep coming out, and I think on Wednesdays these Revelation podcasts will come out because I think we are living in a period where it's important that you know, and then it's important that somebody's explaining it and breaking it down in a manner uh, that is in line with the Word and that is of sound doctrine. Now, I'm going to push you a little bit. I'm, I'm going to talk... Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push you a little bit. I, I want you to actually search the word daily. I want you at the at the beginning of each podcast, if you're taking notes, I want you to write Acts seventeen eleven at the top of your page. And and what that is is just a reminder that the Berean Jews, back when Paul was talking to them, they received him with eagerness. They received the word with eagerness, but that was not where it stopped. After he finished talking, they went and searched the scriptures daily to make sure that what Paul said was true. And I want you to do just that. I'm gonna, I, I'm, I work really hard to make sure that I give you sound doctrine, that everything that I say is founded in the word and is founded in truth. But in case I have a slip of tongue and something goes wrong, I want you to search the word daily so that you, when you stand before God, you can say you have studied to show thyself approved. OK, um, and so I'm excited. I, I've been doing a, a teaching a lot of Bible study lately on the book of Revelation. I don't know. There's this just the incredible pressing on my spirit to teach this word. And so I've been heavily studying it, um, really looking at the semantics of this word. Uh, because Revelation is a difficult book, as is Genesis, um, and they're both important. And and you'll as if you're listening to the Genesis, Genesis podcasts, and you listen to the Revelation podcast, you'll see how similar they are, and how Genesis just sets the stage for what happens in Revelation. And then it'll be really interesting as we begin to fill in the rest of the Bible. Um, and see how they all call and answer. And the Bible is really just a big way of it. It, it was art to, <laughs> like artfully uh, constructed. Like you, there's something that you cannot deny its divine nature. Uh, man couldn't be this crafty and couldn't be this crafty with as many authors as what wrote the Bible. And that's how we know scripture is indeed God breathed, like it tells us in Timothy. So we're, we're talking about revelation and it's not the book of revelations. It's one revelation. It's a revelation of John to Jesus Christ. Uh, where the book in, enters, we find John on the island of Patmos. Uh, John had been exiled to Patmos for preaching the word of Jesus Christ. And they put him out there <laughs> on, on the island, out there by himself. 
Um, and then that's when God decides to deal with him. And before we even di- dive into that, I think that's an important biblical truth, important life truth. If you listen to life school, um, so I'm just going to wrap in all of it together, but it's often that God has to deal with you when he separates you. And, and, and it's really ironic that I'm impressed to teach about uh, revelation at this point in my life because I'm being separated again from a lot of things that I hold dear. Um, and this is when God is speaking the most, when I'm, I have the most revelation. Um, and so it's really ironic to me that I am teaching um, to a lot of people the book of Revelation. Um, this this would be my third Bible study that I'm teaching on the book of Revelation right now. Um, and it's one of those books that if you really get into it, it will engulf you. It's also one of it's the only book in the in the Bible that comes with a promise to those who study it. Um, and so if, if for no other reason alone to study this book, you I would I would I would <laughs> roll with the promise that God gives. Um, it, it promises blessing. So I, I would I would venture to say that I would imagine God has a greater blessing. But if if for nothing else, there's this huge blessing that we get. Um, that you, this book requires that you dip and dive into the rest of the Bible in order to understand it. Um, it, it, it is wrapped in, in so many good things. Um, this, I now, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, because I think we need to set some groundwork because this is a really complicated book. This book is divided into three sections. Okay. Um, the first period is the pre-tribulation period. You have the tribulation period and you have the post-tribulation period. So what we'll find um, we'll, 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 we'll dip and dive into, into most of the Bible. Now, once we get to chap through chapters three, if you're a saved Christian, um, nothing else really pertains to you. you it's great study. It's good to know what'll happen. So you'll make sure you stay saved, um, that you'll, you'll talk to your family members and your friends and get them saved. But, um, after you make it through to, after we make it through chapter three, it's all the, the, um, the place from where we watch our perspective chains and, and we will be watching from heaven, um, what takes place. And, and I think that's important. I want to be watching from heaven. I don't want to see this firsthand. You know, some things you want to witness, you want to witness the eclipse firsthand. You want to see that with your eyes. Um, there are, there are other things we wanted to see that were important to us, um, I don't want to see this. <laughs> I don't want a first row. I don't want a first uh, row seat to this. I want to be in heaven. I want to be raptured on the first go. And I think it's important that we understand what what takes place in the book of Revelation so that we can make sure that we are ready when he comes uh, the first time. And, and if you miss the first time, you it's going to be some hell to pay, but you can catch the boat the second time. Um. I'm gonna be real with you. I wanna I wanna go the first time. And so we we I'm conscious of what I do uh and how we get there. Like I said, Revelation is a really complex book. Uh we can we can go ahead and dive into the scripture. I wanna make sure that you I'm gonna try to take my time and as usual, I'm gonna try to stick to an hour. Uh I'll just be really honest with you. When I teach this thing in Bible studies, um we usually go over an hour on just a chapter or just a few verses. And so we're, we're going to take this thing bit by bit, but I apologize if these podcasts get a little lengthy. Um, I'm going to try to give you as many details as I know and as I have. Uh, that that I don't have, I may get back on the second go round as God continues to reveal some things to me. Starting in Revelation 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he signed, he sent and signified it with his angel to his servant, John, 
who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all the things he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Okay, just just in a nutshell, that was the first little portion. This is, like I said, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. John is on the island of, of Patmos. Uh, the Bible declares that these things must shortly take place. Now we know that <laughs> the we know that time to God is not like time to us, and so we know that Christ died what two thousand years ago. John lived during the period of Jesus, so when this was given to him, which is about two thousand years ago. Um, but I will tell you that the times, and we'll see as we get in the scripture, the times and the birthing pains are very evident. Uh, in our times and in our day, a lot of the things that are prophesied that must take place have been prophesied. Um, like he could strike this guy while I'm doing this podcast is it, the birthing pains are so real. Okay. Uh, but as he, he points out, and I want you to notice what he does in the scripture when he talks about, he said he sent and signified it with his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness of the word of God. And so the testimony of Jesus Christ, what he does is he sets up the qualification qualifications of John. Okay. Um, because this, this is <laughs> this, and when we read this, this, when we get through this, this book, okay, this is a book of prophecy. Um, this has not happened. It's a book of pure prophecy. You know, when I when I talk about Genesis, I say Genesis is a book of record and it's a book of prophecy. Uh, this is a book of pure prophecy. Um, and so in order to m- legitimize the prophecy, you have to put your uh, we've got to establish who the prophet is. Uh, because anybody could wake up and have a dream that was that was crazy and you got uh, animals with multiple heads and a lot of eyes on each side and, and faces everywhere. And you can just say somebody had, they had a bad night and they ate some, some things, but God makes sure that in this scripture that we understand who had, who had the vision, who saw it and that it was sent by an angel, uh, who came and talked to John and that it was important. Okay. And that's one thing we need to real, we, we have to understand is that that's one thing we need to do in real life is when somebody comes and they teach, they're teaching the word or they're speaking the word is that we need to look at who, who is saying it, what, where it's coming from and who gave them the inspiration. Because somebody can come to preach and it not be God breathed, it could be Satan breathed. And it may not come from midnight prayer, but midnight thought. Um, and that's, that's just one of those things why it's important that Acts 17, 11 is, is etched in your heart. That not only do you receive the word with readiness, but that you go search the scriptures to make sure that what is said is true. Um, and some things you need the scriptures and you need the Holy Spirit for. Um, I was recently looking in the Bible for the fall of Lucifer. Um, and... The scriptures that are given uh, <laughs> to denote <laughs> the the fall of Lucifer, you need the Holy Spirit to get that revelation. Uh, you need the Holy Spirit, like the, you need the whole Holy Spirit for that revelation, because the way that it is written, you could take that a whole bunch of ways, and that is with a lot of scripture. We can take it so many different ways and and miss exactly what God was saying that we miss the whole point. And I would be willing to say that's why so many of us have different theologies on the same word. That some of us went in and we're in the middle of midnight prayer while others of us got a revelation from midnight thought. And I'm going to be honest with you, your thought, your brain may be beautiful. You may have wonderful forms of thought. But if in your thinking you miss God, we got a problem. Okay, 
But moving on, verse three, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of, of this prophecy and keep those things for which are written in it for the time is near. There's a blessing. Like I said, I mentioned a couple of minutes. There's a blessing to those who reads these words and hears these words of prophecy. So you're blessed if you read it and you're blessed if you, uh, you, you're listening to, to these words of prophecy. Why? Why are you blessed? I think you're blessed because, A, it allows you, you, it requires you go into other portions of the word, and so you're exposed to this good word in more ways than one. Two, uh, you, you're prepared for these things that are to come. These things that come are not trivial. These things that are to come are not like, whoo, I'm about to get slapped on the wrist. Like, this is some bloody, gory, Whoo! Grab your, grab your, your kids and grab your kids, grab your wife, uh, type stuff. Like this is this is not some light, light, light theology. Like this is this is heavy hitting stuff. I recently took one of my youth groups, and and I've, ta- I've taken several youth groups over the years, uh, but I've t- recently took one of my youth groups to what they call Judgment Journey, which is a real life enactment of what they believe the Revelation, uh, the Tribulation period, and the Rapture will be like on Earth. And it is a crazy depiction. This is what I call like a haunted house for Christians because it's not haunted like it is, it's a depiction, but it's some scary stuff. And they do it through uh, October. Uh, but it is some it's some wild, wild stuff. And, and just seeing that, experiencing that just based on what they got from the word of, of, of the Lord here in the book of Revelation. Make, that's enough. That's enough motivation to make sure that you don't get left here when he cracks the sky. Um. And so there's a blessing because you're warned. See, if you reject the word, <laughs> if you reject what is said here, that means you don't believe it's going to happen. And what a tragedy it would be for the for the Trump to sound, for him to crack the sky, for him to uh, to grab his church and then no more. And you're left and somebody tried to tell you, um, I would hate I would hate for that to be be the case. But we're moving on to the greeting to the seven churches. Verse four, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. And this is what he writes. Grace to you, peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. And then verse seven says, behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come the almighty. Okay. So in, in just those four verses, we get a, we get a lot of stuff and it kind of sets the stage for what he's going to do in the next few chapters. Um, so he, you know, he's greeting them grace and peace to you, uh, who sense who from, to, from who is, who was, and who is to come. So this is John speaking on the behalf of Jesus Christ and, and the seven from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So the seven spirits, um, also sometimes signified as the seven personalities, of Jesus Christ. We're going to meet those in the next chapter. So I guess the next podcast, um, we'll talk about that. Um, but grace and peace to you, who is, who was, and who is to come. Okay. So he sets up, he he's establishing who he is. Okay. And then he's also kind of, uh, establishing what's going to come. So he says, who is, 
who was and who is to come. So we know that he was the one who walked on earth. He also was the one that was in there in the beginning. We know John uh, 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, the word was with God, the word was God. Um, that was who was. He was all, at this point, he also who was the one who walked on earth, okay? And so we're beyond the point of having to establish that he is God because that was established in the beginning, was also established when he walked on earth. And so the was has now shifted from prior prior pretext of where we are in scripture. Okay. And now the one who is, as we'll discover in a few, uh, in a little bit, is he who sits at the throne and is, is, is sat by the, the 24 elders, sits at the right hand of the father almighty. Um, who is, he's still God. He's, we're establishing his deity and who is to come, uh, sets up the fact that he is about to come and redeem his church and he's about to redeem the world. And what's really good about this is, you know, we're talking in Genesis. So I need you to go back to the study we were talking about in Genesis that we'll be talking about, I guess, tomorrow when you listen to that podcast. When we go back to that study, um, it, 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 it sets up the redemption. Now, if you remember in the podcast about Genesis, I would say it might have been Genesis three or four. When we talk about the cherubim that were guarding the way to the, the, to the tree of life. Okay, and I told you that it was he created a modicum of hope because he said he was guarding the way to the tree of life. Now that the way has been guarded for all of these years, for these thousands and thousands of years, now he's about to not only have to guard it, but he's about to open up a way to get back to that tree. Okay. And I think it, it's one. Of, it's it's very beautiful, um, because it's 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 a, what Revelation does is it allows what happened in Genesis to come full circle and put us back in Eden. Uh, in in some ways, and so he's establishing who he is. He's establishing his plan. Um, he's just a little vaguely. He's about to unpack it. It, it gets it gets really open and really quick. Um, and from the seven spirits who are who are before his throne. Okay, now we know seven is not a divine number. Um, I know a lot of people like to paint it as it is because we see it all throughout the Bible. Seven is actually not d- divine. Uh, nine is divine completion, but seven is completeness. Okay. And so we, we see God use that. We see Christ use that number because seven is complete. And we know that, you know, God is a God of order. He's going to do it right. He's going to be complete. Uh, he's not going to leave gaping holes. If he leaves gaping holes, he's coming to fill them. Okay. Uh, just as he does here in Revelation. That's why the Bible is complete. It begins in Genesis. We see the fall of man and, uh, in Revelation, we see the redemption of man and everything in between is the chaos that ensues because man fell. Uh, but we see God's love letter and how much he loved us and how much he cared us. Okay, moving on. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Okay, so from the seven spirits uh, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness and the firstborn of the dead. So, and then he said, if there's any question about who I'm talking about, let me be clear. I'm talking about Jesus. Uh, he says, so grace to from who him, who is, who is to come and the seven spirits who are before the throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness that he's, he's still building his character, making sure that you remember who we're talking about. We're not just talking about a prophet as, as some would like you to believe. We're not just talking about a good man as some would like you to believe. He's not just a good man. He's not just, um, a, a, uh, a small idea. He is 
Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn that came from the dead. And, and, and just that, that phrase says the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn of the father. He's the only begotten of the, of the son. But then he, he, remember he was killed. And so he's reminding you, remember he was killed, but he rose from the dead. And so in case you had any doubt, he was the firstborn from the dead. So he's not dead anymore. He yet rose. And so then we see, and then the ruler over the kings of the earth. And so then he establishes that he is still um he's a king now what's amazing and, and y'all it's just it's just jam-packed with stuff and so I, I apologize in advance if I take this course um but what's amazing is you remember that the Jews rejected him because they thought he was going to rule on earth now we see him do that later on as we get the revelation uh, but they rejected him because they thought he was going to rule uh on earth because he was supposed to come he came from the line of David and in order they thought if he was going to rule on David's throne that he had to rule on earth well David's throne was not around in the time that Jesus Christ came so how was he going to rule on David's throne he came from the line of David okay and in coming from the line of David he fulfilled everything everything a bit of prophecy but he had to make sure that he established that he was yet king so when when John is introducing who has sent him it's important that we establish who he is in all facets if we just say the jewish carpenter that healed people that negates pieces of who he is if we just say the firstborn of the dead we miss that he was in the beginning okay we miss the other things that he did uh, and, and so we had to establish that not, not only he's Jesus Christ, we, we named him by name because the only thing above his name was his word. And then we put some word behind who his name was so that we could establish the power that was in him. And we know that the powers, this is just a little bit, but he has to set the stage about who we're talking about and who is going to be the, uh, the main character in this book of prophecy. Okay. Now, as we move on, I'm telling you, it, it it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful study, um, but we move on. He says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God, his God and the father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So to him who loved us. And I think that, you know, that's what the new Testament is, is founded on. And I believe the old Testament is, is just concealed. It's very much so revealed, you know, love becomes the, the crux and the centerpiece for our faith. Um, but it's, it's also important that as we're establishing who he is, this is the one who loved us. And because he loved us, he washed us. He cleansed us. He made us, he made us better. He made us all that we could, we could be. And then from our, our sins in his own blood. Okay. And so it's also a reminder of what happened at Calvary's cross. No, we ain't forgot. <laughs> no, we, <laughs> we have not forgotten what happened at Calvary's cross. Um, but he has. And, 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 and I think that y'all, that, that, that is deep and that's depth within itself. And I know we're only on verse six and I've been talking for a good little bit, but I think it's important. We understand a, he loved us. And because he loved us, he washed us. Okay. And as he washed us, he didn't go buy and borrow and beg for somebody else to do it. He didn't require of somebody else. And I think, uh, leaders, preachers, ministers, this is a great, a great opportunity to look in the word once again and see that, we can pull from the cross that he didn't have, he didn't go ask somebody else to do it. What he did is he did it dipped in his own blood. He sacrificed his own blood. And so even Christ himself was not concerned about the prestige. He was not concerned about who was, who saw him and who would, um, 
would allow him to be king on earth. He served his people and he sacrificed for his people. And that is the love that he commanded us to have for one another. But he, he washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and father to him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Now this is, this is really cool. So, and you know, the, the scripture gets really Jewish and, and we're still in the church you know, once we get past three, well, the scripture get even more Jewish, but I, I want to pull this out because this is really good. This is really good. So Jesus Christ came from the order of Melchizedek. If you're not familiar about the order of Melchizedek, let me just break this down really, really quickly. Um, the when, when they had Kings and priests, Kings and priests came from two different lines. Okay. When you had a King, he was supposed to come from the tribe of Judah. And I want to say, I talked about this in one of the the Genesis studies, Uh, but he was supposed to come from the tribe of Judah. Um, If he didn't come from the tribe of Judah, uh, the, if I'm not mistaken, the, I'm flipping there in my Bible. They came from the tribe, the, the kings came from the tribe of Judah and the priests came from the tribe of Benjamin, if I'm not mistaken. And if they came from, and, and they kept those lines very separate, the only person that came before that came from the order of Melchizedek was Melchizedek, Jesus and ourselves. Now, what is that? Because Melchizedek was both priest and king. Ooh, he both ruled over the soul and he ruled over the, over your, your, your body. Uh, or, or over your estate. And he was king in an earthly fashion. Okay. And so, he said he has made us kings and priests. And so we are introduced to this kingship and this priesthood. And it's one of the things that is beautiful because the Jews don't, the Jew, they don't have that. They, you know, there's a separation for them. But Christ came and he said, and there's not, and we'll establish there is a difference between the Jews and the church. Now, if you're Jewish and you become part of the church, that does not negate your Jewishness, but there is a separation in scripture. And we'll get to that in a few podcasts when we get to, I think, what, four? Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, Revelation 4. But as, as, we're, as we're continuing on, um, he made us kings and priests. And so that makes us from the order of Melchizedek. And, and it's just really interesting that in scripture, the only person, or the only, there are only two. Uh, and then the, of course the church. So you've got Melchizedek, you have Jesus, and then the church, he made both kings and priests. And so yet we have dominion. Now I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast in which I talk about dominion. Uh, because if we realize the type of what we had in dominion, if we realize the power that we had, there's a lot of problems that we wouldn't find ourselves in. Um, if we realize the type of dominion that we had, but, um, he's, he made us priests to his God and father and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever and ever. Um, and, and just a sidebar, I believe there is nothing that God does on this earth that does not seek glory. Um, and so this is just a affirmation of, of what he seeks and he has dominion. He's God. Like this is, this is, this is, this is the dude that spoke and life became a thing. Yeah, he has dominion, but, but this is an affirmation that he will continue to reign in his rightful place. And we know there's nobody that can unseat God. There's been attempts. Um, and that's what I was reading about this morning. Lucifer's attempt at, uh, unseating, uh, the Lord. And we know that didn't work. Verse seven, behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. He's coming with clouds. 
and every while we'll see him. He's going to crack this guy. Um, and now there is a lot of, there's a little controversy as to how, at, at which point we're talking about here. We're in one. So my, my assumption in the scripture and please search this word down for yourself. But my assumption here is that he is talking about, um, he's talking about his, his initial revealing. Uh, we're cracking the sky. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there because I mean these things are these are important. Okay, we're moving along, and then Jesus speaks in verse eight. He says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end," says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come. So what I love about this is he establishes not his deity, his existence. And then he establishes his plan in just this statement. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Now, what I want to pull about Alpha and Omega, nobody says that Jesus is Alpha or Omega. Nobody says that he's just the Alpha and just the Omega. It is a spectrum. I am Alpha and the Omega. I am the Alpha, everything in between. And and is an inclusion. And says that I am from here to here. So it doesn't say that I am I, I am alpha or omega. It says I am alpha and omega, and it's a spectrum pulled all the way across. He is the beginning and the end, says the Lord. And then he, he comes back and he says again, he reaffirms, he says, who is, who was, and who is to come. He says, I am the same person that's been since the beginning and the foundations of time. The one that spoke is me. That's my daddy. We are the same. We are the triune. When, 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 when there's something to come, these things that you're about to see in this vision are still the same cat. We didn't have a casting change. Nobody changes thing. You know how in movies, if you have James Bond on the first movie, may not be James Bond in the second movie. No, Jesus is saying, I'm the same dude. <laughs> I have a style. I was established in the foundations. I came and I walked in flesh. I, y'all beat me. Uh, yeah, the earth went crazy when you finally killed me. I went to hell. I stole the keys. And here I'm sitting at the right hand of my father. I'm showing you this vision because I'm coming and this is what will be. He's establishing who he is. He's establishing his deity one more time. Why is it important that he has to establish his deity? Because people miss, they miss this word when they don't understand who God is. They miss this word when they don't understand who Jesus is. You know, otherwise the word is just flagrant. It's just beautiful reading. It's really good reading. It's things that you could read in between the lines. But the, the, what, what is ingrained here is that there is so much life here in this scripture. There is so much reality in this scripture. And if you don't understand who Jesus is, and if you don't understand who his daddy is, you will miss the gravity of what is happening here. Okay. Moving on. Verse nine. I, John, both of both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me in a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and what you see write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Okay. Now y'all imagine this. What I just read. You're John. You sitting on the island of Patmos. You have been exiled. Ain't nobody on this island. You're sitting here. You're probably hot. Uh, you're sitting here trying to figure out, well, I guess I can go catch a fish 
Or do I want to go kill a bird? What am I going to eat for dinner today? <laughs> Sitting here, man, I really wish I had somebody to interact with. I really wish I can go spend some time with somebody. You know, if I could, this word is burning down in my loins. I wish I could go preach the word. You know, I got to walk with Jesus Christ and they got me on this island because they are afraid of this word. It's got so much power. And then the God that you love so dearly, like you, I mean, and then he comes and he sends somebody to talk to you. And just like a, a trumpet, it gets your attention. You're like, oh, wait. <laughs> and he says, I am the alpha, the omega the first and the last what you see write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamos to Thyatira to Sardis to Philadelphia and to Laodicea and it's kind of like whoa wait <laughs> let me get together and and see it, it reminds me of the time when I wrote called the Pete Craven the Pit I was swimming minding my own business you know I'm swimming along and you know I'm you know, I'm kind of thinking, kind of praying, you know, but not really, you know, and then, and that kind of happens when you're close to God, like as you, as you relate, if you get closer and closer, sometimes you be kind of talking, you know, like, well, God, what is this? You know, it ain't no, no, oh gracious God, but it's, you know, you're talking to God. But, you know, I'm not really, really like being, you know, deep and serious. It's not like I'm pleading for anything at this point. But <laughs> but he, he's, he's, he's minding his own business. And all of a sudden, here we go. And he says, I, God comes in with, he introduces himself. I am Alpha and I am Omega. I am the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book. And so you're like, oh, it's only popping. Let me get my computer. Well, you know, he don't have a computer. He probably had like a pen or something. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for me, it's like, I'll get my computer. Oh, my God, he's about to give me something. And I can imagine. Imagine that what he sees, he just has to start going, like going at it, just right, 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 right. Because what God is about to feed him is like nothing he has ever seen before. Now, I don't know how many people listening are writers or how many of you have a craft or your music, your musicians. But when God grants inspiration and he grants revelation, you can't get it out quick enough. And so if we just put ourselves in the feet of John right now, John has got to be like, whoo, <laughs> this is what I've been waiting on. <laughs> but at the same time, the stuff that he's about to give him is like, oh, my goodness, this is this is this is a little out there. What is this? <laughs> and so, I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if I envy John, but I think John, you know, he, he got an awesome opportunity here when God said, all right, this is what I've given you. Now, go make sure you write this and send this to these churches. So then verse 12, he says, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and I have turned. I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the son of man clothed with a, gar- a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest up with a golden band. His head and hair were like wool as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth, went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like a shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. (laughs) Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things that will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Okay. 
All right, back back to verse 12. And and he said, the voice spoke to him, and I saw it turn to seven golden lampstands. Okay, so we, re, we wrap that back to verse 12, and he reveals what that is in verse 20. Uh, the seven stars are the pastors that he's writing to. Um, well, no, no, no. Are the angels of the of the seven churches? Now, there's a lot of controversy, but between that, whether the, the angels of the house are the pastors or the angels of the houses are the people who are overseeing or are the um, like the angelic forces that are overseeing the churches. I don't know uh, the truth behind that. I've heard it both ways. I've studied it both ways, and the revelation that I've received on that is not really much. Um, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to say I don't see value in, in whether it is, but the, they're, they're important. But the churches is what we're about to deal with, the seven churches. And each church has a lampstand. That lampstand is important. The, the, the seven lamps, the seven lampstands is one is given to each church. If the, the lampstand is, is given to them, that means that they are in right standing with God. If he's going to take the lampstand away, that means you are no longer belong to me. And we'll, we're going to see in the next two chapters how that is a great, great. That's that's a tragedy. Like it's awful. Now, I'm just going to go through here and, and pull out some cool, cool facts. Um, he said, in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man clothed the garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. We know gold is like uh, the pure substance. And whenever you see gold in Scripture, um, it's usually attached with purity, much like white um, and royalty. His head and hair were like wool, as white as the chest. Again, we see white. Uh, white is purity is clean. His hair was white. You know, I think of old gray people, but his hair was white. He was clean. His eyes were like flames of fire. So it's like looking in his eyes, you know, your eyes are the pathway to the soul. So you look in his eyes, were like, Whoa, <laughs> what am I looking at? Um, and, and we also have to keep in mind that often when we write, we, we associate the things that we can associate with. So it may not have been like straight flames of fire, but like looking into them, it's like looking into flames of fire. You like it's probably a burning, which kind of would make perfect sense because if, if you ever, have felt the Holy Spirit, especially in preaching. I used to think that that was a joke when they were like, I feel my help coming on until it happened. <laughs> and you feel a burning down in your gut when you're preaching and it's getting good. Um, and so, you know, that would, that would make sense to me. Um, but that's just me reading the word as I had, as I know Christ for myself. Um, his eyes were like white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass and they were fine in a furnace. Ooh, okay. Fine brass, you know, shiny. Well accustomed, well taken care of. Um, where am I in the scripture? And he had his right hand, seven stars, and out of his mouth were two sharp-edged sword. So, you know, his tongue, you know, we talk about that. His, his tongue can cut. So you remember, like, God is a speaking spirit. Everything that he has called into being, he, he spoke. Like, and so his tongue being a two-edged sharp sword means that he, with his mouth, he can do anything. Awesome, awesome, awesome. His countenance, his presence, like, like y'all, that's, that's kind of deep. His presence in the room, his countenance was like sun shining in strength. Like his, his presence in the room was like the warmth of a sunshiny day. It's like, it was, y'all, y'all, you know, you, you, you be around some people and like they have an aura, but being in the presence of God was like a sun shining in strength. So it wasn't like a wimpy sunshine day. Like it was like the sunshine, like, like great strength, great valor, great, like being in that room was just like a warmth. Like you just, <clears throat> when you're around the presence of God, it's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And then, oh, uh, da, 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 da. And then, um, and then his voice sounded like many waters, like crashing seas, crashing great, great power. 
And I think, I think, I think it's just really ironic. His, his voice was like crashing water. And you remember Jesus Christ was on the ship and everybody thought they was about to die. And he spoke and the waters calmed. Um, so I think it's wonderful that his, his kind of, it's probably kind of cool that his voice was like crashing waves and his, he spoke to waves and they, they ceased. Um, but that's just, that's still just drawing parallels, just drawing parallels, parallels. Um, and when, and then when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. So, you know, everybody says that you can't look at Christ. Uh, we can't look at God. You look on him. Um, and so, <laughs> so, but you, you imagine, think about that. Like, let's, let's put that in perspective. You get in the presence of God. You know, some people get starstruck. Like they go see Beyonce and they're like, Oh my God. People be faint and they see Michael Jackson and the Beatles. Oh, and these are just humans. Like these are humans that they have built up in their mind. We're talking about a God, not only that we have built up in our hearts and our mind, but that exists and has actual power. This is the very being that spoke and life became a thing. This is the God who took dirt and created mankind. This, this is the God who breathes and, 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 and the winds flow. He speaks and winds stop and they, the, the winds and the waves obey like his dominion goes beyond anything we've ever imagined and you get in his presence you look upon his face and you fall out like you're dead and then what I love about him is then he touches him with his right hand and, and he says don't be afraid he's, he's got all this power all this majesty and yet he, he just he's still contending to our needs he's still contending to our emotions he's still worried about how we feel and all of these things like the, the, we're in the book of revelation like we're talking things are getting deep and God is still contending about what's going on with us he's still contending with with these thoughts John falls on his face like he's dead and he touches him with his right hand and he says don't be afraid now, you know, we see through all scripture, every time we see angelic creatures come around, first thing they say is, be fear not, do not be afraid. Um, I just, I think it's amazing how God still cares in the midst of him having all of the power that he has. He still cares about us. He still cares about the things that we have going on. He still cares that we, that we have issues or, or X, Y, Z. He still cares. And I think that is something worthy of praise. That's something worthy of excitement. That's something worthy of just jumping up and down and to be like, wow, God really loves me. Um, and it's, um, man, this is wow. Um, and then he, again, in verse 18, he establishes who he is. I am he who lives and was dead. Mm -hmm. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And here, here's, here's, here's where like one of the theologies that is crazy is like, woo, (laughs) is, is amazing to me. He says, I'm the one who lives. (laughs) I'm, I'm alive forevermore. And then he says, amen. So be it. Like, I'm alive forevermore, amen, so be it. Y'all know that's what amen means. And then he says, I have the keys to Hades and of death. He says, you so basically, you know, when he rose again, he's like, I stole the keys. <laughs> I got the keys. Uh, you know, so don't worry about this stuff. I know that you're confused. I know that things are, are about to get really, really messed up. But guess what? I own the keys to Satan's house. <laughs> I own the keys to death. So nobody's going to die unless I, they get my say-so. Nobody's going to get something that does not do to them unless they get my say-so. I've got dominion. I got the power. I wish they would try me. I know he's going to. 
to, but I'm going to show him what I'm really made of. I don't think he understands the deity that I have. I don't understand he tried to take my job before and we showed him who was boss, but I think I got to show him once and for all because instead of taking it and getting some grace out of this thing, the boy didn't got his panties in a bunch and we're going to show him who God really is, how powerful God really is. We're going to show him what he really has. And I, I think it's, 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 I'm, y'all, I love the word. <laughs> I love the word. Um, <laughs> uh, but in the verse 19, he says, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things that which take place after this. This is one of the only books in the Bible that has a divine outline. Now, that's not to say that the other books that don't have divine outlines. What I'm saying is the divine outline is given. OK, verse 19 outlines how this book is going to flow. This, he said now. Um, and then he says, write the things which you have seen. The things which, okay, so the things which are, so these are the things that are happening right now. The things which will take place after this, uh, wait, wait, wait. The things you have seen, the things that which are, the things that will take place after this. So what, 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 what has happened, what has happened, what will happen, and then all of the, all of the rest. So what we're dealing with is pre-tribulation, tribulation, and post-tribulation. Um, and so it's a divine outline. Uh, greatness, greatness, greatness. Verse 20, and then, you know, I, I've already outlined this, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Okay? And we're about to deal with the seven churches next time. I'm so glad you decided to tune in. This has been the Revelation Study, and like I said, the Revelation Study is going to get its own day. It's just been really impressed upon my heart to uh, record this, to teach this, to make this real. Um, and and I hope that you receive something about it. But I, I again, as I've said about two or three times during this podcast, be like the church in Acts 17, 11. Uh, you know, don't take a thing that Reverend Kojo says. Um, I, I hope that you receive the word with eagerness, that you will get excited about the word, as I'm obviously excited about the word. But I'm really, really prayerful that you will... Um, take Acts 17 and 11 and you will search these scriptures down. Search them for yourself. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Okay? Alright, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank this opportunity, God. I just pray that you have made this word real in the hearts and minds of everybody who has listened to this, God. Should somebody be listening to this podcast and they don't know you as the free pardon of their sin, God, I pray that they you would get impress upon their hearts to confess and believe that you are in fact God, that you are in fact Jesus Christ, that you died on the cross for our sins and that you love us enough that you would give us hope so that we will be able to go with you when you crack the sky, God. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. And until next time, this has been Bible School.